0: Grateful to be able to gather as God's people and just worship him in spirit and truth I hope you are because he is alive and he makes a difference in who we are and I want to share with you a message this morning I hope that will be a, an encouragement and a challenge to us as a people especially those of us who have found success in life those of us who have experienced some good times and maybe experiencing some very blessed times in our lives I think this is a good word for us as we look at Genesis chapter forty-one, take your copy of God's Word and turn there, if you will. Genesis chapter forty-one, as we will begin in a moment, in verse thirty-seven. You know there are moments where we pray that God would just give us a break. You, you know, like God, we we've been going through the difficulties. Seems like we've been going through the valleys for some time. God, could you just give us a break, an opportunity? Some rest maybe a little success now I know that along the line. God is always bringing blessing and I know that even in the valley. He'll bring blessing But you and I know what I'm talking about. There are moments where it's just like God We just we just need a little let up. Okay. Can, can you just give us a little breath? Can you just give us a little break? I mean through life you can experience that now remember I grew up an old men's fan. I was always hoping for a break which never came Just something to go our way, something to seem to encourage us with opportunity. We feel that way in life sometimes. Think about Joseph, this man who has experienced the valleys and the mountains of life. But mostly, it seems like lately, they've been all valleys he's walking through. It's difficult whether he's in the pit or he's in the prison. No matter what he's doing, no matter the faithfulness that he's demonstrating, it seems like things just keep coming against him. It's like, God, could you just give Joseph a break? Could you just allow him to experience some success and prosperity? We left him in the prison last Sunday, and it said for two years he was forgotten by the butler or the cupbearer. Remember, he had interpreted the dream correctly as God had given him this revelation. And the cub was supposed to remember Joseph and maybe speak a kind word to Pharaoh or to the leadership, somehow to bring Joseph out of this situation. But for two years, he was forgotten. Two years. He was forgotten by everybody except God himself because God knew what he was going to do in this young man, Joseph. And one of these nights... God sent a dream to Pharaoh. Now, you and I have dreams. Oftentimes, it's because we put too much Tonies on our food before we went to bed. Or maybe we watched the wrong type of television program. Or something like that. But God sent this dream to Pharaoh. And God sent a dream that, that Pharaoh couldn't figure out. In the beginning, actually, the first dream, there were these cows, these cattle. Instead of dreaming about sheep, he was dreaming about cattle. And the scripture says that there were seven just plush, fat, sleek, wonderful looking cows. Some of us can imagine that, right? We, some of us, I hate to admit this, but some of us grew up in those type of settings. And they were wonderful settings, by the way, to grow up in and to see those fat, sleek cows. There were seven of those, he said in my dream. And then all of a sudden, There were these seven gaunt, just thin, just ugly, is what my translation says, ugly-looking cows that came and devoured those plump, sleek cows. Well, Pharaoh went back to sleep, but another dream came. And this time you had seven heads of grain, seven plush, wonderful, beautiful heads of grain. And then an east wind blew. And the blight of these thin, seven thin heads, all of a sudden devoured those plump heads. And, and, and Pharaoh was concerned. You could imagine, right? If you're dreaming about cows and wheat or so, you're probably going to be a little concerned as well. So he began seeking the people of the empire, the people of the kingdom that he thinks will help him most. The magicians and All Of these different folks and he goes to them and he says hey tell me what this means I mean, it's got to mean something. It's just continuing on. What what is this? And nobody could answer But the cupbearer the butler He said, you know, I've been amiss in my life. There was something I was supposed to say. Let me just you know There was this guy That I met in prison. I hate to bring this up old Pharaoh because I don't want to bring up bad memories but you remember When you were angry with me and the baker and we were in prison, it was there that we met this man named Joseph that told us about our dreams, interpreted for us appropriately and truthfully our dreams. Maybe Joseph could help you. Big break. The name Joseph finally is uttered in the court of Pharaoh. And thus, Pharaoh says, bring this man. So what do they do? Well, they shave him, get him all cleaned up, you know, make sure that he's presentable to Pharaoh, and they bring him to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh begins to tell the dream. And, of course, we know that he interprets the dream to say, basically, there will be seven years of successful harvest. I mean, there will be fruitful years for you, followed by seven years of famine, of barrenness in the land. And you need to do something about it, Pharaoh. You need to prepare. You need to get ready. And then the big break, verse 37. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? I love it when I read through the Scripture. And I see how a pagan, an unbeliever, can even recognize the presence of God in our lives is there not something special about this man the spirit of god is within him verse 39 then pharaoh said to joseph inasmuch as god has shown you all this there is no one as discerning and wise as you you shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word only in regard to the throne will i be greater than you and pharaoh said to joseph see i have said you over all the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Could we agree that Joseph's break finally came? I mean, look at this. Joseph is second in charge over all of Egypt. This Hebrew from the back country of Canaan has now come down through the prison system and has come to the point of second in charge, the prime minister of Egypt. God certainly has a sense of humor of being able to set this hebrew the least of these in such a prominent position joseph only has to worry about the authority of pharaoh that's it he has absolute control he has absolutely absolute authority pharaoh has given him that signet ring and he can do anything and everything that he wants in the land of Of Egypt. The break finally came and success had been realized in Joseph's life. But this morning, I want to give you this message that I've entitled Some Advice for the Successful. Because the break will come in our lives. Many of us, we've experienced the break. I I say that we have prayed for breaks, but many of us have experienced breaks as well. Many of us have experienced opportunities, we've experienced success in life. Most of us who are sitting here in this sanctuary, who are sitting there in that gathering, most of us in some way have success in who we are, in the way we have entered into life. We, we recognize that. But there's some counsel that I would give you. Because I would suggest to you that this is one of the greatest moments of temptation in Joseph's entire life. I love the way one commentator said it. He said, you know, up until this time, Joseph's been on everybody's prayer list. Right? Up until this time, while he was in the pit, people would have been praying for him. Maybe not his brothers. But there would have been people. I mean, if you hear your brother and sister in Christ that's in a pit, guess what you do? You add them to the prayer list. Your personal one or your corporate one. You pray for them. When he was in prison, he was on people's prayer list. People were praying for Joseph. Or we would have been. Oh, but when success comes. When everything seems to be going right. That's when we remove people like Joseph from the prayer list. And I would say to you, it might be the moment where we ought to emphasize our efforts in prayer on behalf of folks like Joseph. Because it's in the moments of success, it's in the moments of opportunity that temptation can rear its head. So let me give you some counsel. First, I want to say this to you. When you find success in your life, when God blesses you with that success, you remember who you are. You remember who you are. Well, that's going to seem like a strange counsel or piece of advice when you read this about Joseph, because it seems like he forgets who he is. I mean, look at these next few verses, if you will. Verse 45. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Paneah, and he gave him as a wife Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of Om. So Joseph went over all the land of Egypt. So, in other words, he was given a new name. He was given an Egyptian name. An Egyptian name that basically was connected with the Egyptian goddess. Notice this terminology, Noth. They had an Egyptian goddess named Neith. Most likely, it was connecting that. Because literally what his name would mean is something like this. The God who lives or the God who speaks and lives. So in other words, Pharaoh was recognizing within Joseph that there was something divine and maybe he was even attributing to him deity. He was saying, this is the God who lives and speaks. So he gets an Egyptian name. He gets an Egyptian family. Notice he is given this Wife, Notice again what it says here. His wife's name is Asanath. Notice that Nath again of the Egyptian goddess. It means belonging to Neith, or belonging to this goddess of Egypt. So he is given this wife that belongs to this foreign god. And she is the daughter of Potipharah. Does that sound familiar to you? Now, I'm not saying there's a family connection with Potiphar, but this name would be too close for comfort. If I had walked in this household and I found out that her dad's name was Potiphar, I would have made a V-line out of there. Right? I don't want to have anything else to do with people that sound like Potiphar. Been there, done that. I mean, no way. So here he is, accepting an Egyptian name, accepting an Egyptian family. His father-in-law is a priest of on Actually, this community, this city would be associated with the sun God and all the different types of deities of Egypt. So all of a sudden, it's like he's pulled all into this culture. You might say he got a cultural immersion. He was baptized into the culture of Egypt. But as I study his life, and as I see Joseph and who he is, I recognize that he never really forgot who he was. Because if you read on through this passage, you'll see a sensitivity to God and what God has done. If you continue through the Joseph narratives, if you look at it, he will recognize that it was God who sent him to Egypt. Not the God of Egypt, but the God of his ancestors. He will know that ultimately it is his God who has worked in his life. And that his identity is in him. A practical way that I think that he demonstrated a unique identity was in his marriage itself. Again, it says that he marries this woman who was the priest of a certain God there in Egypt. That bothered the early rabbis. They tried to explain it away in so many different ways. If you go back and look... At their commentaries that bothered them because they thought how could joseph do this i mean how in the world could joseph enter into such a relationship and they tried to explain in a way they tried to say that this woman was actually dinah's daughter and i mean they tried to connect it i don't think you have to connect it because when you look at his life he was identifying with god in so many different areas and even in this practical application I know this may seem very normal for us today, but he had one wife. That was countercultural to the day, right? One wife. Even his dad had more than one wife. And there was conflict forever in the household. <laughs> There's got to be some truth there that we will not dig into this morning. But he had one wife a one-man-one-wife type of relationship, which went against culture, which went against what the Egyptians would say, even what his dad might tell him. And the sensitivity to God that he knew again that his God, Pharaoh might attribute it to the Egyptian God. Joseph knew better. He attributed his rise to the God of his ancestors to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He understood that it was Yahweh God, the God of Israel, who was also the God of Egypt. He understood that the God that he called Yahweh was not restricted by geographical boundaries, but that his God was the God over over all territories. He remembered who he was, and he still remained separated in his devotion to Yahweh God, and in his devotion to his family, as he took this one wife, he might have put the clothes of Egypt on, but he did not accept the values or the worldviews of Egypt. And I want you to hear this this morning that some of you are blessed beyond measure. God has given you success in your business life, He has given you success in your vocation. And you may have taken on the clothes of Egypt. But I want to say to you, remember who you are and do not, do not, do not take on the worldview, the character, and the values of Egypt. It is so tempting, isn't it? I mean, those of us, we remember as we've grown and God has blessed us and given us more influence and more territory. It is so difficult to remain who you are and to keep your identity in Christ when all of the world seems to be coming at you and encouraging you to do other things. The greater you grow in business, there will be more temptation for you to go to those parties and do those things that just are not acceptable. There'll be more opportunities for you to give on some of your well, some of your values so that you can move the company forward. There would be moments where you could push aside where you've come from and allow pride to consume who you are. I always have to remind myself because I can have a little pride issue. Did I say that out loud? I didn't mean... (laughs) I know none of you have that, none of you. But I I can have a pride issue. The greater the opportunity, the greater the territory, the more careful I have to be to remember who I am. I love pastoring Temple Baptist Church. Somebody asked me yesterday, it was a visitor who was here who was going to speak for the Regroup Conference, and they said, do you like it here? I said, I love it. I love it. I love being where I am. But I have to be careful about the temptation that comes with the influence and the territory that God has given me. Because you know what can happen in all our lives? We can buy into other people's identities and do other things. I was sitting there this morning listening to Jeremy lead the worship. And God just reminding me, that I was a nobody that God called to be somebody to tell everybody about the one and only, about the somebody that makes a difference in people's hearts and lives. And no matter where we get in life, You and I must never forget our identity, our identity in Christ. Your identity is not found in your work. Your identity is not found in your business. Your identity is not found in this world. Your identity is in Jesus Christ, and that should carry over in everything that you do and everything that you say. You may wear the clothes of Egypt, but do not embrace the values of Egypt. Joseph continued to seek the one true God. Remember who you are. Your parents may have told you this as well. Remember whose you are. Remember who you are, your identity. Who are you? Joseph always remained humble before the Lord, and he sought him. But he also remembered whose he was and the task that he was called to be about. If you continue on, it says Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. Now, in the seven plentiful years, that word plentiful can also mean like fistful. Like you couldn't get any more abundance or blessing. It says in those seven fistful years or plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. And so he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities. He laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. He remembered whose he was. That he had been put in this position by God. Okay, don't miss that. We talk about breaks, but God was the one who had ordained this moment. God was the one who put him in this position, in this place. And he knew it was God who had called him to this task. Man, to get successful, to find yourself with all these opportunities, it is so easy just to kind of coast, isn't it? So easy just not to fulfill what you're supposed to do. I mean, you're at the top. Joseph he remembered whose he was and he remembered he had a task before God remember as we've looked through this Joseph narrative there have been many moments Where it would say that he would serve potiphar or he would serve in the prison and that word serve as I told you was like this It was like this worship service. It it was used to define ministry so in other words when he was in When he was in Potiphar's house, when he was in the prison, he felt like his work was worship, that he was to answer to the one true God above. And he was God's, and he was about God's task. Now, he's about God's task again. And this time, he's got to take care of all this produce and all of this abundance, and he's got to make sure that he is storing things appropriately. He had designated cities. He had to fulfill his job. You see, when you remember whose you are, you can, you can work on his behalf. Even when, you have a, even when you have a boss like Pharaoh, some of you got some bosses like Pharaoh, Potiphar, no raising hands, don't do that, that's ugly. <laughs> even when you're working for them, You know you can do your best. You know you can do what God's called you to do because ultimately you are working for the one who is above. He took all of this abundance and he managed it. Oh, where did he get the management skills? In Potiphar's house and in the prison. That's where he had gotten his management skills. 13 years! Let that sink in for a moment. Thirteen years, God left him in this Management 101 class. Thirteen years to get him ready. And what is he doing now? The same thing he's always done, being that good steward, the overseer, because God prepared him, God had got him ready and when you get into those positions and you remember who you are in your identity, you remember whose you are in your work, then that means you can, you can keep doing those things that you've done, be faithful. Even when you have success in your life, you still got to take care of the little stuff, right? Don't forget it. So remember who you are and remember whose you are. And this almost goes without saying, but I did want to just break it out just a little more. Remember who he is. You remember who you are and you remember whose you are. You belong to him. But then think for a moment. Stop and think about who he is. Remember who he is. Verse 50. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of on, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Man, I love this. I could just, I could just sit right here and preach for a while, and you know that, don't you? <laughs> oh, man, this is awesome. He has a child. His name is Manasseh. There probably were moments where he wondered... If he would ever have any descendants, because he wasn't sure he would ever have much more of a life. There were moments where he thought he would die immediately, there were moments where he thought he would spend the rest of his time in prison, forgotten. But now God has brought forth a child. So he names this child Manasseh. And every name in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, every name has some type of significance. And here the scripture gives it to us clearly so that we can understand. Manasseh means to forget. To forget. In the Hebrew construction, in the tense itself, it is something that is intensive. In other words, it is an intensive type of forgetting. Manasseh. And he says, I named him To forget because God, I got to think about God just a moment because God has made me forget all of these things that have gone on in my life over these last 13 plus years. Now, did he forget mentally? No, he still remembered those things. I mean, mentally, he remembered them. He's going to recall them later on as you look at it. And, and you and I, when we have moments of hurt, it is hard to put those things away, right? And mentally, it's still there. I think what he means by this is, I've been able to release that bitterness I've been able to move on in life. I'm not paralyzed by it anymore. That, that anger that I've had, that bitterness that I've had toward my family and toward all these other people, Potiphar's wife and all of this, I am able to release it. I have forgotten. I have moved on. Oh, how incredible that is to our lives. But you have to remember who he is because you remember this. You and I can't overcome it by ourselves. You see, when we get to a place of position, and and I love the way one writer said that when you get into a place like this, it's hard to forget. It is hard to forget about the Reubens and the Judas and the Potiphar's wives. It's at that moment when you have all authority, that's when you settle scores, right? At least you could get Potiphar's wife. At least. She is in the realm of influence. Maybe this is the time for payback. But he names his child to remind him that God, God, God has made him forget. Because you and I can't move on in our lives without God helping us in that. Because all of us have certain lists. Certain lists. If we've lived any time, there are probably some scores we would like to settle. Oh man, for years I had this one lady on my list, actually, two ladies. Just reviewed it again. <laughs> who just I mean just could get to me, who could just drive me up the wall. One in particular that told me one day and on Wednesday night before a prayer meeting that I was the worst pastor that she had ever met. I had them on my list. I mean I just I just I almost had to refrain because I was praying God's wrath. I did not know I did, but I was wanting to. God has to give us the Spirit to release and to move on. Because you and I can live in states of bitterness and never serve effectively. And next week, I hope you come next week because it's good. It's good stuff, better than this stuff. Good stuff. Because <laughs> his past is going to walk right in before him and he's going to have to deal with it. But up to this point, he says, God has made me forget. Look at the name of his second child. The name of the second child was called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Ephraim. It means uh, blessing. It means blessing. It means that God had blessed. And what I like about this, I mean, when I say blessing, it's this idea of fruitfulness, okay? Ephraim, fruitful, blessed. Uh, give you a little Hebrew lesson when you see the I am at the end it's kind of like the S in English for us usually it means plural so it means like blessings or fruitfulness it means twice blessed now certainly it was twice blessed with kids but it was more that it was like hey God has blessed me (laughs) I'm so grateful God has blessed me. He has blessed me in this situation. He remembered who who God was, right? He remembered who he was in his identity. He remembered whose he was and the way he was supposed to carry out his task, but he never forgot who God was. Because all good gifts come down from the Father above. Every good gift, everything you and I have is from God, and we are more than doubly blessed. He said, I have been blessed. Most of us would have talked about the 13 years that were so difficult for us. But all Joseph could see was the blessing. And you and I need to look past the 13 years of prison and pit, and we need to look at the blessing of it all. Superabundance. And I do love the way that he must have called their names. And every time he called their names, it was a public testimony. Manasseh, come on in. Your mama's got food cooked. Manasseh, oh yeah. I was supposed to forget. And God's given me the power to forget about that bitterness that I had. Ephraim, put that Xbox down now. Get down here. Oh, yeah, I'm doubly blessed when I hear his name. And it was a public testimony for everybody else. Because when they heard those names, it was as Joseph was saying to them, Hey, I've forgotten all that stuff. Put it it in the past. When they would ask about Ephraim's name, he would say, The teacher, when they were getting back in school, you know, they were checking the box. Now, what's your name? I can't pronounce it. Ephraim? Yes. Well, your daddy must be doubly blessed. It was a public testimony because Joseph remembered who God was. And I just say this to you finally. Remember who they are. Remember who who you are, don't forget that. Remember whose you are. Remember who he is. And then remember who they are. Who's they? Well, you know, a lot of times they'll tell you when you find success, don't forget the little people. Don't forget the other folks out there. I would just say to you, when you find success and God has blessed you, you don't forget the other people that are out there. Anybody. Don't forget them. Because this is what's awesome, the way God works. Verse 53, Then the seven years of plenty, which were in the land of Egypt, ended. And the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. The famine was in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, and the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread, then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, do. Do. The famine was over all the face of the earth and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all lands. Joseph took the blessing that he had, the blessing that he had been given, and the blessing of Egypt, and he used it responsibly to help others. Well, obviously the Egyptians... But it says, all lands. You see how generous he was? And when you and I are blessed with success and blessing, we shouldn't forget about all who need help, all who need encouragement, all who need blessing in their lives as well. Because God has blessed you, not just to bless you, but he has blessed you to bless others. I'm convinced of that. He's blessed me to bless others. So don't forget who they are, the people who need the help most, the people who need encouragement and blessing in their lives. Because it is from the family of Abraham, it is from the family of Joseph, that ultimately all the earth receives sustenance and blessing. Right? Through the one we call Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Because what is God doing? Well, he is writing that redemption story. Even in the book of Genesis, he was thinking about you and he was thinking about me. And he knew that we needed salvation from the sin that had entangled us and enslaved us. So God worked it all out and brought Jesus to be the blessing for all the lands. And today all nations can come for that sustenance, that substance if they'll only have faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for giving us very practical counsel. Thank you for giving us blessing beyond measure. And God, I pray this morning, God, I pray this morning that you would allow us to respond to success and blessing in a faithful, Christ-honoring way. May we remember who we are, our identity that's in you. May we remember whose we are, Lord, that you have a task and that because we belong to you, you have called us with purpose and plan. May we remember who you are, so that we will give you the rightful honor and glory and, Lord, express our gratitude to you, the one and only. And then may we remember who the others are around us, the theys that need to know your goodness and greatness. Now, God, speak to us now during this invitation. Help us to respond in Jesus' name.